You're listening to the 108 Bricks Podcast. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at 108BricksPod and also use the hashtag 108Bricks to get involved with each show. Also, be sure to give us a like on Facebook, 108 Bricks Podcast, and get involved with all of our conversations during the show. Well, the summer is still in the full swing, and Dylan and I have been absent for a while, but we're back with another episode of the... Don't count us out just yet. We're, yeah, we're, we're not, still here. We're not, we're not <laughs> down and out just yet. We haven't given up hope on anything. I mean... Well, the Cubs we, might be. The but. Cubs might have, yeah, but we haven't, <laughs> that's for sure. But we are still here, we're still recording, and... Um, full transparency, I think both Dylan and I have talked multiple times about recording, but... Life gets in the way. Couldn't find a time. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan. Dylan is working with his, you know, his life and his jobs and everything like that. I'm still working at the radio station and everything. So it's been a really hectic um, summer for the the two of us. But we're back. Yeah. And just in time, we're going into it's. It's currently uh, uh, July 26th. uh, Heading into a Cubs off day. Uh, probably one of the most depressing wins of the season at Wrigley Field, um, as we are currently yeah. um, about a week away, or I think exactly seven days now, away from the trade deadline with the trades of probably Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ being inevitable. Um, emotions were kind of running high if anyone had watched that game, and that's going to pretty much be a lot of the main focus of this episode as the season kind of went as expected. Um I think I was a little more optimistic heading into things where uh, <laughs> Curtis here was more of a realist and, and it's it's pretty obvious that the Cubs are going to be sellers heading into the deadline and who they sell um, is still honestly I could I feel like I can say it's a mystery with it. Um, yeah. All signs point to a fire sale potentially that can happen um, like last year. I'm. I'm not as as certain as that. Um, I, I'm really curious, um, especially with just how Jed Hoyer has really been very bad at giving us any direction of where the team is going yeah, and what the expectations are. So while it does look like a player like Wilson Contreras and a player like Ian Happ can yield a massive result um, if the market demands it um we don't know if that's going to happen and i I think this trade deadline is going to be extremely important to pay attention to as cubs fans as depressing as it could be because i think the players that they move um but more importantly the players they get back um if they get any players back or if they move any players is going to be a, a pretty big sign of where we think this team is going and how long we might have to wait till we see the cubs back in that win column again yeah well i was i was just gonna go to your earlier point dylan about you know theo and jed well i shouldn't say theo and jed i'm so used to saying that in years past but jed and company um or jed and carter carter hawkins i i guess you could maybe start getting used to saying now but they have been very poor and very um, not very transparent at all about their plans for this rebuild. And I'm just annoyed as to why they can't just address it as it is. I, I get it. Tom Ricketts said that they wanted to compete and everything. And 
you know, they make the big splash of signing Marcus Stroman and um, say a Suzuki and whatnot, but this team is still not nowhere near a competing level compared to the other two teams in the division that are playing well, which are the Brewers and the Cardinals. And I'm just surprised that they just don't say what it is that it's a rebuild. I mean, why else would you trade Bryant Rezzo Baez? And now it seems like you're going to trade away, you know, Contreras and Hap. Everybody knows what you're doing. Just call it how it is. I, I just don't understand why uh, Jed has been so apprehensive as to address that head on. And furthermore, I, I'm more so um, disappointed that Cubs fans are again getting money milked out of them for having the second most expensive um, baseball experience. And we get to see this team on the field. Nothing against the players, but I mean, don't get me wrong, a $70 uh, bleacher ticket to see them play the Marlins. And then beer is almost 15 bucks. Not to mention the food prices. You know, it's it's practically twelve dollars for a hot dog. Um, it's just ridiculous, and I, I'm I'm just a little tired of the fans getting kind of, for lack of a better term, screwed over. You know, in this sense. And then now we get to see two more players, a 2016 World Series champion and a, a fan favorite that came up, um, I believe in 2017 or 2018, and Ian Happ. They're gonna get you know shipped away. And it sucks. And it's kind of like reliving the trade deadline last year all over again when you knew that Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez were going to move on and get traded. And it was the right thing to do then. And since then, the Cubs farm system has been um, really showing in some big strides, especially with Pete Crow Armstrong, who's been one of my favorite players to follow during the minor league season. He's just playing so well down in the minors um, but, but overall, Dylan, I, I don't know if, if you've been doing the same thing that I have been doing in terms of watching some of the minor leaguers play. Um, but it's been interesting. And one thing that we didn't mention too, on the podcast was the, the, the marquee network got into a little bit of heat and this is old news. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but, um, Paul Sullivan of the Tribune about a month or so ago wrote about how that the marquee reporters show, um, they were asked when they were criticizing Jed Hoyer, they were asked to retape the segment. I don't, do you remember that Dylan? Do you remember reading that? Yeah, I did remember seeing that. And that was, (laughs) that just is quintessential. I don't want to say, well, maybe not quintessential, but it's, it's, it's definitely one of those moments where as a cub fan, you're like, come on, just tell it how it is. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. That's the one thing in this town that is becoming frustrating, not just from the cubs, but across other teams too, um, I won't list teams' names or anything like that. But you notice that there are broadcasters that are hired by the team that like to sugarcoat things and they don't address it necessarily head on, and that becomes a problem. And the fans get annoyed with it because they can tell that it's you know BS, and it is what it is. So unfortunately, we're we're here today. Um, we're not only going to talk about the 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 trade deadline coming up i can't believe it dylan next week is august 2nd the the deadline um a week from today as we're recording this and uh this team is going to look totally different um we've seen a lot of new names new faces come in we'll, we'll talk about some of the bright spots we'll talk about some of the um returns that we could maybe see for a wilson Contreras. which teams do we think 
the Cubs should try to make a deal with, if possible. And uh, we'll see how that kind of all turns out in the end. But, you know, for now, I, I think it's it's a, a emotional week of Cubs baseball because this was the last game home game for them. And as we were saying at the top of the podcast, and now as we move on to this road trip, you know, all eyes are going to be glued to Twitter, <laughs> seeing what's going to be coming through. And uh, we'll have to see how that kind of all pans out, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's still... It's funny because we're about a week away from the deadline and it's still pretty far away. But this was about the time when a lot of uh, a lot of sort of rumors will start to swirl around the league and and we'll see things kind of come through here and there. But I think the the kind of touch back a little bit um, and backtrack it, it just in terms of the transparency, I think that's been the hardest thing to go through is you have this kind of multi-sided multi-opinionated leadership coming out here where you kind of have jed dodging the question of when they're going to be competitive and and really kind of giving a lot of non-answers sometimes with ricketts talking about how they want the team to be competitive and they want to do this and that and then whatnot and there's two different stories with it but even then with with trades that we're seeing seeing that we don't seem to be getting a lot of real information from it it's just kind of oh we got some value in this and we're investing in the future but there's really no timetable where when i felt like theo was in charge he justified everything everything was explained and uh and and laid out to us that there was a plan in place and i feel like this time around there isn't much of a plan we don't know what's happening we don't know if they're going to suddenly make a massive splash on free agency and maybe start to try to build a team that can be competitive. I don't think 2023 is now really on the table in terms of wanting to maybe win the division, but maybe in 2024 um, and on, or if we're going to have to start waiting a, a few more years, a lot of the Cubs prospects in their system, we aren't expecting to see them until 2024 um, and even 2025 for, for some of the younger guys. And if that's when they're expected to, to hit the major leagues, that's probably going to be later in the season. So uh, assuming that you wipe that off the table, now you're looking at 2025, 2026 for a potential competitive roster with what they have right now. Is that acceptable? I don't know. It yeah. depends on and what, what we get and what happens really kind of at this trade deadline, because right now, if they go out there and they get more prospects and if they go out there and, and really if you if every single one of these players is gone, I think the key in, to this situation would be Wilson in that sense. And the return isn't justified and isn't worth it. Then a people are think are going to start losing faith in the team and, and it's going to be hard to really get fans into the ballpark at a justification of that. Yes. Yeah, and, and for a guy like Wilson Contreras, who. It is one of the best catchers in the league right now with a lot of teams looking for catchers. It's you got to really evaluate each of those teams, farm systems or even players that they're looking to offer and see what you can you can really get for that and how you really want to shape your team out for the future. Exactly. And I think when it comes to teams building their roster heading into next or really into the rest of this season for a postseason run, and into next year, it's going to come down to, you know, the 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 price for both of these guys in Happ and Contreras. Um, there's one thing that I find interesting, and <clears throat> pardon me, and that is the fact that both the Cubs 
and not only just in the Cubs sense, but it's the same group of teams that are looking to um, add. It's always the same competing teams, the Dodgers, the Astros. Um, last year it was the Mets, and this year there's links to Contreras and, and a David Robertson um, deal with the Mets. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there, but I'm surprised that teams such as like Tampa and Seattle aren't involved more in some of these trade talks because I'll be honest with you, I think Seattle or Tampa, both of them would be, I think, a perfect landing spot for Contreras, um, especially in particular um, Tampa because Tampa only has one, at least according to their website, and I don't know the the roster too well in Tampa to tell you who their backup catcher is, but there's only one catcher listed on their active roster, and that's Rene Pinto. And his stats this year have been not so great. Two home runs, eight RBIs, um, 204 batting average, and he's had 54 at-bats this year. So he hasn't played all that much, but for the fact of the matter that he's got, you know, so little results, a guy like if you put in a Wilson Contreras could bump up the the Rays. And the Rays are in a pretty tough division this year. The Yankees are running away with that. So the, the Rays would be trying to get a wild card spot. And the Red Sox have really fallen off the, the cliff there. But then you have the, the Blue Jays who have seemingly been playing pretty good baseball lately. And then you also have the Baltimore Orioles, who recently just got over the 500 mark. They went on that 10-game win streak, and they have some more prospects that are coming up through their farm system. That could be interesting in a few years. And that division is so tough that you wouldn't be surprised to see, I think, um, a team like Tampa try to make a push to try to at least get into the wild card spot. Um, and especially with a pitching staff that is not only just featuring um, uh, to the likes of I'm waiting for my computer to load up the stats here for <laughs> their thing. Um, they have Corey Kluber on their roster. They've got a couple of names on that starting rotation that could use um, a little bit of, uh, I think, a veteran catcher experience. And um, another thing, too, is I could see the Rays going after a guy like an Ian Happ because uh, – um, they just had a, a pretty devastating injury in Kevin Kiermeyer um, recently. I, I don't know how uh, Hap would fit into the plans for the outfield, especially when you have like Randy Arozarena, Brett Phillips, Josh Lowe, and a, a couple others. Um, but I think that would be a, a perfect landing spot for him um, as well. And then the other team that I think would be interesting would be the Seattle Mariners. Um, both of their catchers are hitting under 220. Um, I would love to see Wilson go there and both of those two teams in, 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 uh, um, uh, to their respect of their farm systems are ranked two and three respectively, um, with Seattle being two and Tampa being three. And there are some guys on that list that I think would be really, really nice to see in return, but who's to say what the, the price is for that. And I don't know if, if Tampa and Seattle would be willing to put in some chips into their um, into the pool for the Cubs to to try to get some of that, but um, for example, Seattle has one, two, three, four, five, six players in the top 100, 
and Tampa has one, two, three, four, five players in the top 100. I mean, Tampa has one of the best <clears throat> minor league systems in all of baseball. So as would the, someone like the Mariners, um, I think for both of those teams at the end of the day, it's a matter of uh, looking at the standings and trying to decide if it's worth it. <laughs> um, yeah. The right, Dodgers are I, ranked I, fifth. The Dodgers think... are another team that could be definitely an interesting team to see. They don't have anybody in the top um, 20 in the top 100. Their top ranked prospect is Diego Cartea, who's ranked uh, 28th on the top 100. But yeah. they they set a franchise record with 106 victories um, um, in the last two full seasons. They had a World Series championship. So the fact that they're still able to produce these guys, you know, and, and still be ranked in the top five is unreal. Um, I mean, you look at some of the, the names that have come up through that team, like a Cody Bellinger, Walker Bueller, Will Smith, Julio Arias. You know, they've all got their roles um, on the team. Bobby Miller is a pitcher that would be really interesting to see, I think, come over from the Cubs. Um, Andy Pages, Michael Bush couple of hitters on that on that roster that would be or in that farm system rather that'd be interesting to see um there's definitely some prospects out there but um i'd like to see him strike a deal with a team like that versus a, a houston or um or a mets where their farm system isn't ranked that highly um usually in these deals you want to try to get the 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 best you can in return and i don't think you would get the best value um, in return from a guy or from a team like a Houston or from um, or from a New York Mets. Yeah. It's interesting because it, it. It almost feels like and I might be completely wrong here, but this new M uh, MLB expanded like the playoffs, it, this new situation might almost hurt the Cubs in a sense in terms of the value that they'll they'll be looking to get. Um, from teams, I think specifically in the American League, when you have these three wildcard spots that are up for grabs, you have two divisions already with the East and the West, where both the Astros and the Yankees have pretty much just kind of ran away with it. Um, and you got these three teams with the Blue Jays, Rays, and the Mariners all pretty much kind of floating there with some competitors one here and there fighting for that wildcard spot. But it'll be interesting to see how much of those teams think that they have what they need right now to secure one of those wild card spots yeah. and which ones think they need to really buff up to make sure that they can, they can not only secure that spot, but even do that. And that's going to be the teams that you're going to want to target. And it's hard to kind of know with that. Obviously you look at a team like uh, the Rays or the Mariners who have these really strong farm systems. And you're going to wonder is, do we want to go for it now when you have this, juggernaut Astros team this juggernaut Yankees team it's like do you want to waste your farm system and try to go for it and maybe get a guy like Wilson Contreras or, or even buff up with the DH um, or an, an extra outfielder like Ian Happ um, you don't know there's a we, we all know that those players can bring a lot of value to any team that they're on um, it's just a matter of if you get the return that's worth it um, for it because both of these players are rentals um, both of these players are going to be entering free agency come 2023. Um, if you're the Cubs, it's an interesting situation to be in because you know what the value is of these players and you had to be talking to the right teams and 
reading the room correctly to see which one of them is really going to be giving you the amount of value that you need for it. Because if not, there's still a world where I see if, if Jed doesn't see the value and return from a guy like Wilson Contreras, there's still absolutely no problem with not trading him and immediately starting an extension talk before the end of the season. And I think something like that could be more than possible if there isn't the right offer on the table with it. Now, I'm not saying it's likely because I'm sure in a, in a division that is such as competitive as the AL East and the West um, and, and even a t- even in the National League with a team like the Mets or a team like the Padres that definitely need to, to buff up in those specific positions that there isn't the right offer out there for those players. But if you don't see that right return, um, and only Jed Hoyer kind of really knows the answer to that question is, do you just instead reinvest? Because both, I think, Ian Happ or Wilson Contreras, and Ian more specifically Wilson Contreras, is someone you can really start to work to build a team around in terms of his leadership and, and productivity on the field. It's certainly worthwhile to invest in a guy like him when you still have talent coming in and you have a guy like uh right now with Jan Gomes and especially the addition to the DH to give him time off and make sure he's still hitting um you still have prospects um coming up there Miguel Amaya is still in the system with an with an expected to be coming up oh, yeah. it'd be great to see him working under a guy like Wilson so really you really have to have a high asking price I think for him and if you don't get that return then it's nothing but a loss really uh, and I think that's why a lot of people considered this the fact that the Cubs are are looking to trade Wilson is a really kind of a sticky situation. Well, it might be obvious. It's like, how much do you really want to lose for that? Where do you get a veteran? Because now suddenly you need to go find, because I'm sure Jan Gomes might be either retiring or who knows how long he wants to keep playing baseball for, but where are you going to go find a new catcher uh, with that? If Miguel Amaya is your next guy and with his expectancy of being in the majors within the next few years, you're going to have to do the same thing when you had with when Wilson came up, you got to find that veteran catcher that he can learn from. You got to find the guy he can kind of grow and get those skills and and become a veteran himself. So where are you going to find that? Because Wilson Contreras could definitely bring that. Yeah. And I don't know if, I completely forgot that Miguel Amaya was in the system um, until you just brought him up. I I totally forgot about him. Um, I mean, he used to be up there in the system and then they traded away everyone. And then suddenly when you have Brennan Davis, Christian Hernandez, Crow Armstrong, um, uh, Caleb Killian, Jordan Wicks, all all of these characters in there now, he kind of gets bumped down in there. But he was kind of viewed for at one point in time, you would say he was someone who was kind of going to be the future catcher of the Cubs once Wilson kind of had his term with it. And and we're starting to see, like, there's a chance he's going to be seeing the major leagues soon. I think he can potentially, I don't think he'll see it this year, but next year for sure, um, start seeing some games there. And it would be nice to see him be able to work under a guy like Wilson um, and really be able to learn the ropes. Well, yeah, and he finished last year I'm I'm just looking at his his numbers now. He finished last year in um Double A Tennessee. Um he played 99 games with um A Ball, Advanced A Ball last year, then got bumped up to um the Tennessee Smokies. Um and he's been on two teams this year. He's been gone he's gone back to the Arizona League with um Cubs rookie ball. 
Um, and now he's back up with um, Tennessee, but I think he's been injured a lot this year or something like that because he's only played 14 games this calendar year. Um, and he's hitting 271, which is good. Um, two games with Tennessee, he's hitting 455. He's got two doubles, a home run, four RBIs. I mean, he's been killing it at the start, but I don't know if he, um, I don't know if he's been injured. I, I honestly totally forgot about him and, and have forgotten what his status was, but I mean, he's still 23. I'd yeah. hope that he'd be. So Amaya went through, uh, at least a report here I see on NBC Sports is that he went through Tommy John surgery uh, to repair okay. a throwing elbow. So that would knock him out for of a little course. bit and then delay the the development, obviously, yeah. on, on that front with it. But obviously, we, we start to see um, probably um, within the next year or so um, to them starting to get some more work on the field potentially and and still really that like oh well might be the next catcher um or the cubs uh on that front but who really knows with it i know already we're starting to see that the mets and cubs have been talking um with it obviously multiple prospects involved with it the mets looking to potentially get wilson Contreras and uh closer david robertson um from the team i I don't know what it is about the cubs and just being able to find really good closing pitchers they just have a knack (laughs) for it signing a guy that might be a little bit kind of forgotten about or washed up and then he turns into an all-star practically yeah i mean they're really good at finding these very low um low low price tag high ceiling type well, of guys well and, and that let, was kind of oh. i would say let, let's bounce off that for a second because i think the one thing that we have failed to talk about <clears throat> pardon me is that despite the troubles that the cubs have had this year the pitching and homegrown pitching in particular has been pretty surprisingly good the the only guy that has not been living up to his expectations at least for me has been Kyle Hendricks and that is a guy that surprisingly yeah but I mean he's a guy that you were hoping if he had a bounce back year that he might have been a candidate for um a potential trade on August 2nd but he has had arm injuries and he's been battling with that for the past year um I wouldn't be surprised if we just don't see him the rest of the year maybe one or two more starts um, or three before the end of the yeah. season to just to get some major league games and some more recent film because maybe the offseason comes around and then maybe he becomes an option. But you notice, Dylan, that the the people that are rising up the ranks in the minors, besides the Pete Crow Armstrongs and the Brendan Davises, are pitchers. And the yeah, guys the Cubs have been... invested heavily in pitching. And even in the n- most recent draft, uh, they're still investing heavily oh. in pitching, going with arms in their first couple rounds. Uh, of picks in this year's prospect draft. Um, <coughs> it seems like almost an exact opposite approach as when we saw what happened with this 2016 team um, with the rebuild. They invested in homegrown hitting and talent from there. And granted, I think the Cubs might have a good amount of it, of hitting available um, uh, coming up in the farm, as well as a really decent pool of arms in the farm. And they might be kind of looking into the future and seeing how pretty stacked the next couple free agency classes um, might be yeah. um, and, and seeing potential there, especially when apparently the, the 
the payroll has gone up and that they they're going to have more money to spend going into the next couple free agencies um, and the next couple seasons with it. But it has been nice to see um, a lot of the pitchers. And I'm frankly, it's it does kind of stink as well because we might see a lot of these pitchers go, um, especially from the bullpen, um, a really good bullpen arm is obviously a um a really hot always a hot commodity it's the most evergreen trade uh token out there really if you got a good arm in mm-hmm. your bullpen there is a team out there who i'm sure will give you something good for it in return um and i think if you're looking at it and it kind of plays off my this is me just trying to justify why the cubs might not trade wells and Contreras, but um there's a lot of other assets on this team that they might be able to get a good return on. Um, again, I think it all kind of depends on the market, but I think there'd be there'd be some teams out there that might be interested in needing starting pitching where Drew Smiley might come into play mm-hmm. um, to go with that. I, I I would love to put Wade Miley on the table, but he his injuries have been kind of setting that back and no one's going to invest in, in it. But David Robertson is a piece that can yield a lot. Scott Efros is a guy that can really get uh, a lot from there. Um, even a guy like maybe PJ Higgins, if if a team's needing a bench player uh, on that front. So they have a lot kind of to offer. And it's going to be interesting to see kind of where things go. Um, only time will really tell with it. Obviously, it's it's pretty easy to to find a big name and, and see something that's really obvious with a guy like Ian Happer or a guy like Wilson Contreras. But the Cubs are also bringing a lot more to the table with, with their pitching arms. And Well, and that's why I wanted to bring that up because... Um... I think we're starting to see it maybe a little bit sooner than um, expected. Um, The impact that Carter Hawkins has brought coming over from Cleveland, where he was responsible for finding a lot of the good arms in that rotation, like Shane Bieber and uh, uh, Mike Tomlin, um, uh, the uh, Dan Plesak's nephew. I I can't remember his name. Um, Zach Plesak. Um, they, They found some good arms and that's how Cleveland's always been competitive is through their pitching. And we're starting to see that now where Carter's impact. I don't know what it has been. That'd be an interesting interview with him if we ever got him on the podcast um, to find out what has worked to get them to the point where they are starting to churn out some of these young arms and get them into um, the bullpen and get them into the rotation and see how um, impactful they can be. And they're still learning, um, as they go, um, they're still experiencing some of these growing pains, but that's, you know, in a season where you're not going to compete to win a world series, you can afford to let them learn on the fly and learn at the major league level. I think that's, there's something to be, um, said about that, where these young guys are learning at the major league level rather than sitting in the minors for a while. And then when the team's good, they might, maybe crack a bullpen spot whereas if they establish some some reliability into their rotation starts and you know the, the more that they become familiar with their catching tandem and who you know as the list goes on and on that becomes a very reliable asset to have for 
a team that wants to win a World Series. We've seen that time and time again with many teams of how pitching has become of almost the forefront of stacking up to go deep in October. And in a year where, in particular with the expanded playoffs and with so many extra teams going to be involved in the postseason, you're going to need all arms on deck. And I think if that's something that baseball is going to keep with this expanded postseason, I think that it'll be very much in the Cubs' favor when that time comes to have all these young arms that are good young arms that when they hit that point when they're in the playoffs, they can perform because they know how to be- how to do that and they've got some other guys in that clubhouse that can lead them through that. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to kind of commend the Cubs here for a little bit on how they've been able to develop this young pitching core, uh, if you want to call it that, to to get through you know, July here and we're already past the all-star break, but um, I think it's been interesting to watch. I have been watching Justin Steele, um, Samson, uh, Keegan Thompson, you know, some of the, the younger arms that have come up through the system. And I'm, I just enjoy watching them get the chance to perform and get the chance to, like I've been saying, develop at the major league level. And, I think you got to, you know, tip your cap to uh, Carter Hawkins on that. I think he's done a great job. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely putting them in a situation of not absolutely no pressure, but it's definitely allowing them to get the to get the experience and face the competition they need to hopefully to be develop and continue to be major league caliber pitching um on that front and certainly the pitching has kept them reasonably competitive in in a lot of games when a lot of the times their bats have gone quiet on that front and there's only more to come from that there's more guys in the system as i mentioned they drafted a lot more players so keep an eye out in terms of, of the pitching with it and Keep an eye out on and as well as the returns that they get because the Cubs might be looking for a lot of hitting. I don't know what they're weighing in terms of value when regrowing their their farm system in a sense with it. Um, and again, a lot of it all just comes down to us having to kind of speculate here because we don't really know what the next big move would be. Obviously, with the trade deadline this year and the, just kind of the trade deadline in general, um, you don't see obviously big, big name players going from team to team in the same trade. It's always usually a team that's selling off and kind of looking to get and invest in the future. And we don't know how much the Cubs want to continue to invest in the future. Right. Um, obviously I think all signs are pointing to that with no extension talks really happening between the Cubs and a guy like Wilson Contreras and the Cubs and the guy like Ian Happ, where that could have been more than likely if if they were looking to build around those guys. But Jed seems to be on that path of saying that anything and everything is on the table and they're not really staying committed to a plan. Maybe it's Jed kind of feeling like he's evolving from a lesson learned when they built the 2016 team where they were so focused on a specific window that they frankly kind of threw out a lot of pieces and and traded away a lot of pieces of our own system that 
caused us really to get into the situation we're in now. And they're t- they might be taking things a little more fluid in a sense of trying to just kind of evaluate mm-hmm. it on a year by year basis and not really trying to say, listen, we're trying to build into X window or whatnot is maybe when the roster's ready and they see the moment that then they'll go for it. And we don't know what that looks well, like. And, and that I, I was going to say that goes back to the earlier point of it being so frustrating <laughs> that we have to sit here and guess what they're going to do and that there's no transparency with the fan base. That's the one thing that I, I wish that this regime would do is be more open and transparent to the fan base about what the team is doing and what, what the plan is and that sort of thing. Because when, when Theo took over and when Jed came in and Jason McLeod came in, Theo's transparency with the fan base was so respected and he laid it all out on the, not on the line, but like he laid it all out as to what he had visioned. And with his reputation in Boston, Cubs fans ate into it and they were patient with that. Now that we've had, I think Jed has maybe spoken may, maybe three times to the to the media in, in terms of public you know discussions. I, I could be wrong on the number, but the fact that he's only spoken a limited amount of times and when asked about it from the media, he says, I'm not gonna put a label on it, you know, you know, whatever. We're doing what we can do to try to win. Um, yada yada yada. That makes it frustrating. And that that is not um something that the that the Cubs um I think should just keep having him put out. It would be better off suited if he would just call it a rebuild and and say like they said last year, we want to build the next great Cubs team and stick to that mantra and put a label on it and tell them we want to rebuild this, you know, and and kind of start fresh because we feel it's best for the organization. However they want to frame it, but at least put a a, a transparent spit on it so that way the fans aren't sitting here you know we're paying like i said the second highest prices in ticket sales and one of the most expensive concession prices and uh, here we are seemingly almost every other week the cubs the only thing cubs fans are on social media for is how long the last cup snake was it's not about how the team <laughs> is doing or about the fans wanting to see um certain players it's about the cup snakes and it's about um, you know, the, the ballpark being packed as we're saying goodbye to the, one of the last players on the roster that's still on the roster for, um, the 2016 world series. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Hap wasn't even a part of the 2016 world series. Team. Yeah. He got called up in 2017. Well, I was, I was referencing Wilson, yeah. Wilson Contreras was, I mean, it's kind of interesting because this these guys were kind of part of phase two, I'll, I'll call it right. Like, yes, they were they were very well valued in the system, but they were part of like that next generation, which is kind of like last year was the gut punch. Um, and, and this one's kind of just like the, the follow up uppercut um, and kind of the, the 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 knockout to really everything that Theo kind of built before yeah. right um mm-hmm. because these were the, the the guys that were supposed to lead that next generation um they were supposed to be continually the the dudes kind of being the next stars after after bryant and rizzo and they would be continuing that um and if we're letting those players go one obviously it's more than likely going to happen then 
that's kind of that end of that era. And I think if those players do go, then that's going to be a time where consistency and transparency is going to need to start to be needing to be seen from this leadership in the front office, because at that point, who do you have less left to build from? Who do you have left Mm -hmm. to kind of see and view as a leader? And obviously we would, probably get the answers for that in the off season um to to kind of start setting themselves up but it's hard to figure that out um Mm -hmm. do you go all in on a guy like stroman i don't know um it's hard to to really see that because we don't know it's all speculation a lot of focus um especially for this year in terms of baseball has really just been just kind of living it series to series right you can't yeah. really look at things overall you're just kind of enjoying the moments when you can and and getting through it one game at a time um and now we're at this trade deadline and and how do you expect someone to pay a ticket price if you get rid of some of yeah. these players you're not going to have a competitive team anymore um you're you're really not and so that asking price better be up there. And I think Cubs fans should know and, and expect and hold a high standard for the, the the ask and the expectation on the return for these players. Because if you really are getting rid of them, it's going to be the signs that the rebuild is coming. And if that happens, we need to know what that timetable looks like and what our expectations are. So that way we can get ready because living on this world of will they or won't they compete every year is kind of annoying, well, especially then, when all signs false... point to something that isn't that. Well, and then you give us the false hope with the signing of Marcus Stroman and uh, Seiya Suzuki. Nothing against I mean, the players. Seiya is someone you can really build around. And now but he's, he's we hadn't even mentioned... Though. The Cubs could always just pull off some wacky nonsense and trade for Soto, um, which I personally would love just for the drama reasons. But I think we can live in a world where Pete Crow, Armstrong, Seiya Suzuki, and and uh, Juan Soto can be the best outfield in all of baseball. And I will stand by that. Um, <laughs> I, I think that would be awesome. And if the Cubs can do that, then all is forgiven. Um, give me, give me one Soto all day. It, if it they can make something cost, like that happen, it probably would cost Pete Crow Armstrong in the deal to, I mean, I'm perfectly happy going. I obviously Pete Crow Armstrong is the, the bigger ceiling and the more potential, but you still have a guy like Brennan Davis. I mean, you could still put a Davis, um Soto say a Suzuki out, outfield together and it'll be just as awesome as one with Carl Armstrong in it and yeah. um, so there's there's a lot on the table that that could be available um yeah that with that especially with just kind of how things play out and I don't know. It's going to be a pretty wild trade deadline, I think, Um, especially with the teams out there. There's a lot of teams out there that are kind of really out of it, especially in the the American League. Um, And you don't really know who really is going to go where at at the end of the day. Um, But count on it being chaotic is what I'm expecting. Yeah, it's going to be chaotic. Um, It's been... It's been fun to catch up on on Cubs baseball the last couple of days, and even more so, um, it's been 
it's going to be the most fun time of the year to catch up on Cubs baseball. Honestly, it is when we, um, when we come back it's here. It's all downhill from here. It is. It's going to be all downhill from here. But I was going to say too, we'll we'll be back. <laughs> Not in a good way. We we are going to be back. I think we'll probably be back August. I think third that Wednesday, Dylan. If that works for you after the the trade deadline and everything, so we can finally recap. Analyze. Yeah, and analyze all the the trades we've we've done in the past where we have recorded either like shortly like maybe an hour or two after the deadline and gone from there so i think we'll do the same thing um yep. but we won't make you wait another month and a half or so however long <laughs> it was between the last time and now um we'll be back pretty quickly to recap the trade deadline and uh we'll have some more fun and, and hopefully just hopefully maybe we'll see some more um good baseball being played by the cubs and uh i, I hope um, yeah. for fans sake that they uh they can do something useful um but feel free let us know what you guys think of any potential trades who you think they should get who you think they shouldn't get i'm all aboard the one soto trade still <laughs> i want that to happen but nonetheless feel free send us an email 108 bricks podcast at gmail.com search us twitter facebook everything uh i'm hat high underscore i'm underscore buck on twitter I'm Curtis K underscore radio on Twitter and, and you can follow us nope. there and keep up with us. And uh, if you ever are wanting to contribute to the show, you can email us or just shoot us a DM or, or a tweet on Twitter. Um, Anywhere. The email really. is 108 bricks pod at gmail.com. Well, that's going to just about do it here for this episode. We thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Once hopefully they don't, trade the entire team. <laughs> <laughs>